Hello. Hi. What would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello. I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and this is Manusha Ex Machina. With me today is my co-host from Pump Up the Minute and Five Minute Arrival. <laughs> I forgot what shows we did. Didn't we do something else? I don't remember. Did Together? We do you were a guest on Cock and Bull several episodes. Why do I feel like we're forgetting an entire show? I don't know. Anyway, Well, hello. you're also the host of Life as a Playlist <laughs> yourself, my wife, Professor Sarah Black. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Did you just welcome me? Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is my show today. <laughs> we are here today, this week, to cover minutes seven. I want to say it was minute seven. <laughs> It is I didn't, definitely ha- I didn't have my seven. notes open. The big minute seven here. Yeah. Makes me think it's minute seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which continues the meet cute between Nathan and Caleb in this rom-com, right? Caleb enters the kitchen and Nathan continues unwrapping his hands because he was out boxing. Well, yeah, he's doing the like tough alpha guy. Like uh-huh. he, obviously this character's like calculated everything that he does yes and so he's very carefully orchestrated this being the image that mm-hmm. the caleb would first see <laughs> he would hear him before he sees him and then have to go outside after coming into this weird house to find him also even being post-workout he's sweaty so that's like another alpha display of power mm. <laughs> yeah and and did he shake his hand over that last time yeah, you don't want to touch people that are sweaty either. And Caleb's awkward as well, so it's it's a whole multiple levels of him just messing with Caleb here. While being really nice about it, you know, he's just having a conversation. Just two guys. Nathan asks, do you want something to eat or drink after your journey? And Oh, I should point out before we get into the minute, actually. You hadn't actually seen this movie till this year, right? Yeah, and I've only seen it the one time. And then I just watched this minute for the show, but yeah, I hadn't seen it. I want to watch it again. Probably before we did this, what if I got to do that? But that's okay. I'll have you back another time, and then you know, after you're watching the whole movie again, you're like, oh, that's what happens. Yeah, so he, he says, you want something to eat or drink after your journey? No. No, thanks. I'm fine. Sure. Yeah. And then Nathan turns away, and he proceeds to pour himself some sort of really liquid smoothie. I think it's been sitting there for multiple takes is the problem. Oh, I think it was a smoothie. smoothie. Yeah, it's <laughs> just some anti-hangover. Yeah, thing. It's green. It's some it's got just vitamins a green juice of some sort. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> and he he says now. To be honest, I thought we'd have a breakfast together, but um, I can't really eat anything. I got the mother of all fucking hangovers. I like this line because well, this exchange because it shows like they're not really in it together. Mm. Like eating, communal eating is like an act of togetherness. And he's saying, I thought that we would be. (laughs) And he's like, no, I don't know. I feel like it's foreshadowing things later about their relationship. Oh, yeah. Their exchange. (laughs) And it's interesting because whether he's doing this all on purpose or not, the same result happens. Like whether he's consciously doing this. They have the whole debate later about whether you do things consciously or it's all programming. Mm-hmm. But this is just who he is. Right. He drank too much last night knowing he had someone coming yeah. in the morning. And so whatever the reason, yeah, he he can't have that, as you said, communal eating. And so he pours himself a smoothie. He doesn't offer any to Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> and Nathan says, oh my God, like you wouldn't even believe... When I have a heavy night, I uh, compensate the next morning, exercise, antioxidants, you know. To which Caleb says, yeah, sure. 
but right, he does. He, does, he, does, know he doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. As we'll see in a moment, he completely yeah. misunderstands. Just because I obsess about details, I was noting on the shelves behind Nathan, he's got an espresso machine, a glass mortar and pestle, which is interesting. There's a plate of fruit and a blender and another machine, probably some sort of juicer. His eyeglasses, which he's about to put on sort of in between shots, are sitting on a napkin on the counter. So he's very careful yeah. and very precise, even though there's definite clutter here. The second shelf is full of a lot of bottles of alcohol, some wheatgrass growing out of something, a bunch of extra cups, a decorative skull, when he's already got the cow skull on the wall, so he's got a thing so going skulls, on here. the colonization, is that what they're doing? Almost like a heart of darkness type. Well, I, I interpreted the, the cow skull <clears throat> as sort of a cowboy masculinity image, because mm -hmm. this is supposed to be set in the U.S., yeah. Even though they filmed it in Norway. It's supposed to be set here. They're supposed to be Americans. But then this other decorative skull is like, that's a weird place to put a skull next to your food and your drinks. Yeah. But of course, we're going to see he's got more than just skulls downstairs, including brains, you know, because he makes AI and robots. So I don't know. And then his other decoration in this spot is two vintage cocktail recipe posters. I'm wondering how much of this was already in that bar, like, because this is a kitchen yeah. in a building at this resort. So maybe those posters were just You there. mean where they're shooting? Yeah, like where filming? they're shooting. Oh. This is a hotel Yeah, where you can stay in these tiny little buildings that are all mm -hmm. around each other. So I don't know if the recipe posters were part of the decoration already, or if they put these vintage posters there next to this modern equipment to go with that cow skull on the wall, or this <laughs> other skull. Nathan's lifestyle is probably back and forth and weird like this all the time. So it's not even like a deliberate choice, but it is his programming is that he drinks too much. He works yeah. out no matter what's going to happen because he doesn't have to put up. He doesn't. It doesn't matter if this exchange is awkward for him. That only matters for Caleb. And then we get Caleb being awkward as he asks, was it a good party? Yeah. So what does Caleb think that he's walking into? So he doesn't realize that this is just this guy's compound? He knows he is like... meeting the CEO <laughs> and he's supposed to be there for a week. He mm. doesn't know anything more. That conversation happens in a few yeah. minutes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but also, debatably, he's not supposed to. I sort of am operating on the assumption that he is another AI because it's mm. a nice way to look at the yeah. film. Because the point is, it doesn't matter if he's AI. The point mm -hmm. is that if he considers it, it means he's questioning whether or not he's programmed yeah. to be the way he is from all of his life and everything that's happened to him. Which, same with the awkwardness here, is he doesn't know what to expect. And someone says they have a hangover. He's an awkward nerd who assumes, oh, someone had a party. Because he watched too many 80s films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Well, and how does he think a party arrived and left by helicopter? Yeah, that's what's weird. And it doesn't look like a place <laughs> The place that isn't messy. A party. It's not no. like remotely messy. And the dude clearly is saying that he has a hangover. So he probably didn't get up early and like clean his whole house. I don't yeah. know. Anyway. <laughs> which which on another level is an interesting just admission from Nathan is he's basically saying, yeah, no, I'm here by myself, but I drank way too much last night because that's what I do. So we're getting a good sense of both of their characters here. And Caleb says, there wasn't a party. Sorry. And Nathan steps toward him, like becomes very familiar and says, Caleb, I'm just going to throw this out there. So it's said, okay, you're freaked out. <laughs> and they cut to a reverse on Caleb. He says, I am. He says, yeah, you're freaked out by the helicopter and the mountains and the house because it's all so super cool. And then we get a framing we hadn't gotten since they walked in of the two of them together as he's basically Nathan is looming in the frame that is focused on Caleb. 
And he says, and you're freaked out by me to be meeting me, having this conversation in this room at this moment, right? And I get that. I get the moment you're having. But, dude, can we just get past that? That's where this minute ends, is him trying to turn that into something else. And it's like, does he think that's the moment that he's having because that's the moment that he orchestrated? Or Yeah, you flew a guy in a helicopter <laughs> to your place in the middle of nowhere and then met up with him by working out outside and telling him you have a hangover. Yeah, you're creating a weird moment for him. Meanwhile, he's there just excited to meet the CEO and probably like his hero because he works for him and is excited about that. It's like someone working for like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates right at the height of like Microsoft mm-hmm. rising or Apple and then they get to go to their house. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a moment. Nathan's aware. Of course, the house reminds me of the house and mother because you can't see anything anywhere. So it's like the isolated. Because it's away from everything. Earth. Well, yeah. His, kind of thing. his isolation in story, it's because he does research there and this is a lab no one's supposed to be able to get to. But yeah, he's also a guy who isolates himself from the world, yet supposedly right. has insight into how the world behaves because he's been, we'll find out later, basically yeah. stealing data from everyone's phones and programming people. But even with the data, he doesn't really quite get it, which is... Right. You can have all the data, but that doesn't mean... He gets it up to a point, and then there's a point where he did too well for himself, and he programmed things to be too good. So they're both having a moment. Nathan just doesn't realize it yet. I don't have anything else in my notes for this. Oh, yeah, I didn't have a lot for this. It's really just the one interaction, so... I mean, I made it as a joke, but it is their meet-cute. It's the situation that creates Mm -hmm. their dynamic for the rest of the film. Yeah. Is that it's a power dynamic and struggle right. between the two of them. Although most of the time, neither one realizes it, which is sort of the point, I guess, in the movie. Is I mean, it's a very limited cast. We've got, other than single scenes, we've got three people in the movie. Not four. Wow, I'm worse than Caleb. Why? I forgot Kyoko for a moment there. Wow. That's, that's yeah. the, I've said it <laughs> before and I'll say it when we get there much later, but that's why the climax of the film happens the way it does. That's why mm-hmm. she leaves Caleb behind mm-hmm. is because he knew there was another AI in the house and he didn't do anything to help her, which for Ava yeah. puts Caleb right in the same boat mm-hmm. as Nathan. Yeah. He's so excited to help her because she, you know, she talks to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a whole other thing that you'll probably get into later. The objectification of women Mm -hmm. only in their usefulness are they (laughs) yeah i think the movie navigates very well the use of like visual objectification of women Mm -hmm. where it only sexualizes them in non-sexual situations and then times when it usually would be sexualized they are not but meanwhile the situation itself is treating them like objects because that's how nathan thinks of them and that's how caleb is supposed to think of them which goes into a whole whole other programming thing. When I wrote about this in Groundhog Day Project, I did three levels of programming. It was Mm -hmm. programming the characters do on each other, what the film does for characters and on us, and then what society does on us. And that's like all those levels right there. So would Caleb be one of those guys that's like, I'm one of the good ones. I'm a feminist, but really he's not like acknowledging any of his own. Well, right. Who does he say? The white one. (laughs) It's the, it's the... Was it missing white woman syndrome? Is that what they call yeah. it? It's that. He found a white woman in trouble. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Kyoko's there trying to let him know that things are weird. Yeah. She peels off her face it's to weird. show him what's going on. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I'm going to save this other one. I'm mm-hmm. great. So the women of color sacrificing their own bodies. Quite literally <laughs> yeah, at the end of the exactly. film, if you, if you recall. 
that's where Ava gets her skin is from all the discarded yeah. previous women. So, yeah. Which, on the one hand, could be seen as problematic for the film, but I think is more of a message about the problematic nature of, like, the interactions. That sounds fun to talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that, that'll come up. There are several times in the movie where it's hard to say which one of those is happening. Mm -hmm. And because it's Alex Garland's first time directing, sometimes it's hard to be sure which choice he was making yeah. because maybe it just kind of happened because his program. Well, yeah, I was going to say Alex Garland has his own programming. And then the actors do. And they're making their choices. Sonoya, who plays Kyoko, is friends with Alex Garland. She was probably excited to play a part even if she doesn't have lines because she's a dancer and a model. She doesn't care. But then what does that tell us about that character? So, yeah, it's a whole lot of interactions of programming of people and actors and directors and us talking about it you listening to this, which is going to be fun. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that because it's something I've been thinking about and talking about more, even on like my own social media channels, is this idea of like when we're packaged and sold individualism, it's a way to blame people for everything that they do. Mm -hmm. If you like if it's religion, like you were born bad sinner. If you go to therapy, Almost no therapist will talk about the cultural or like other implications of what's going on in society that could cause people to be feeling really bad. It's like your brain is flawed, even though, sorry, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> the idea of like brain chemistry being the root cause of mental illness hasn't actually ever been proven. In the one study that it was based on, the person who did the study acknowledged that they didn't it was like a theory, but a theory based on thought, not about anything actually mm. like given. So in a capitalist society, it makes sense to do therapy that way. Like your brain is individually wrong. You have some type of condition or you have some type of mental illness. And please, before like you get a bunch of angry, yes, mental illness exists. Yes, those things should be treated. Yes, drugs for like things can be good and useful. My point is that's one part of it. And it's the only part that gets looked at but the societal factors tend to not really be discussed. A person is not going to feel better if they still have to go to the same crap job every day, if they still have to go out in the world not knowing whether their son's going to get shot by police. Like if all of these other like societal factors are going on, having therapy once a week is not going to like make them better. But individualism you're wrong. You have to go to therapy. You have to get self-care. You have to be saved in church. You have to work harder at work. And again, I think that works better for power because if you can keep people individually upset or feeling like everything is their fault and their responsibility, then they'll one, look at themselves and then two, blame other people who are in a similar position rather than looking at the systemic issues which are causing the things in the first place. Yeah, they're gonna, okay, rant over. No, they're, they're going to blame other people because you put them in competition with each other. Right. And they're all medicated to a good baseline where they'll be productive. And then it's still their fault that they're not productive enough. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. That's what functioning labels are based on. Mm. They're literally based on how productive can this person be in society. Right. Like someone's a level one autistic versus a level three. Well, the level one supposedly has lower support needs, meaning they can go to work, they can survive in capitalism, they can do what they need to do. They might need some support or accommodations or modifications in a school or a work setting, 
but it's really like the labels for a lot of different illnesses are created based on the person's usefulness to capitalism and not really what their actual support needs might be. Right. We want results for it. We want individuals to blame, but results for whoever's above them. But speaking of the social media where you go on yeah. rants, <laughs> yeah, we did two podcasts together. You did one by yourself, Life is a Playlist, but also... So I've been primarily just talking about different issues, a lot about capitalism, a lot about individualism on my TikTok channel. It works better for me because short bursts of energy are easier for me than long types of planning. And I know while all the awesome podcasters are really good at like winging things or just like having conversations in the moment, <laughs> I am not good at that. So the level of planning and time that takes me to create one podcast episode and then I get bored. I don't know. I think I might have a little bit of ADHD going no, that, on with my autism. That was me too. Anyone who listens to Annihilation Minute yeah. would know that was written out word for word every mm. episode and the editing took so long because it got even more meticulous there. Now I'm actively trying not to do that because it mm. took up way too much time Yeah, for something that I can't make a living doing. I'm going to say yet to pretend I'm hopeful. Yeah. You know, there are limits to how many podcasts are going to have sponsors and make a whole thing of it because there's a whole other programming thing going on with that is to who wants to listen to these conversations, or listen to these scripts I write or listen to people go on rants, whereas TikTok's kind of built for that in a way. Yeah. I mean, at least on my feed, it's less political rants, but they do come up and they do hit the edges. And I know you can curate a feed that is much more. Yeah. TikTok actually doesn't really love political rants, but you can still build like a nice little yeah. community there. They're there. There's an, there's enough <laughs> content there. It's like, I was going to say polite Twitter, but no, some of those comments are leaning into Twitter. The commenters <laughs> are like Twitter. Most of the people on TikTok are very nice. It's a really, I love this space personally. But yeah, you'll get trolls in comments that say and do horrible things because it's social media and they exist everywhere. <laughs> and TikTok, much like Twitter, doesn't really do anything about it. Like they don't care. So yeah. that which for now is okay. Yeah, because it's still not as big as other social media. That's all for minute seven. Thank you for listening. Manusha X Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more X Machina. Every Wednesday for Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at xmanusha, on Instagram at manusha underscore x underscore machina, or Facebook at manusha x machina. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com, or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all our shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Till next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness.